Hello, hello, hello. Too loud? No, that looks good. Great. That looks good. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. You ready to get started? All right. Water here. The podcast makes me parched. You're listening to Inside the Aluminum Tube. This podcast has adult language and sometimes contains graphic descriptions of accidents and incidents, often resulting in death. If you're scared to fly, proceed with caution. Sir, are your pants meowing? Yeah, you interested? Pull up. No, the plane is about to crash. Wind shear. You're looking a little anxious, Kent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Increase climb. Only if you really need me to. Threw his clothes off. Had an accident. Got his tree and went night night. 50, 40. Oh, so like some dumb bro shit. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. 30, 20. I'm sorry. I'm a little overwhelmed by what you just said. 10. Hence being poked in the rear uh, as a man in the middle of the aisle. Climb now. Given the context that you've given me, this does not sound like a good plan. Clear of conflict. Okay, so this is an aviation history podcast, which looks at events in aviation history, like air disasters, accidents, incidents, and sometimes just the history of airplanes and people and the events that surround them. I'm Shannon Baker. I'm your host. I'm the creator of this podcast. If you want to know more about me and what qualifies me to do the podcast, you'll have to go to listen on episode zero and you can learn all about me there. If you want to see pictures and on this particular episode, you're going to want to see pictures. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at aluminum tube. It's going to help you understand what's going on in this episode. And uh, if you have any suggestions or you just want to yell at me, you can email me at aluminum at gmail.com. If you've listened to other episodes, you already know that I always have a co-host. That person is not an aviation expert. Their role is to ask questions that will help you, the listener, better understand what actually is going on. My co-host today is David Lotta. He was on a previous episode, episode 10, called Coffee Tear Me. Yeah. And we talked about flight attendants, the history of flight attendants. Loved it. And Male um, flight attendants particularly of most of that episode. That's right. And the sordid quite sorted and racially charged and sexist and oh man it was a crazy episode such a such a great career yeah david things have changed obviously since covid things have changed significantly for me the last time we recorded was in march of 2020 and here we are in january 2021 mm-hmm. um what's what changed what's going oh. on man Everything. Um, I've been blessed to still be able to fly through half of COVID. Um, I was recently furloughed and recently called back, but probably will get furloughed again. Um, so I moved from San Francisco back to New York, uh, went to Turkey. I've been all over the world a little bit during COVID. So it's been a unique experience in flying during a pandemic, both as a flight attendant and as a passenger. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't help but think February of uh, 2020, I flew in and out of China and in and out of Beijing. And you didn't even think about it. Oh, I went home to visit my dad the next day. Saw my grandmother two days later for her birthday. And uh, luckily, everyone's safe. But uh, it's just so crazy how much the world has changed since then. I mean, changed somewhat, definitely for the worst, but somewhat for the better. And I hope that we keep some of the things that we learned throughout the pandemic, like I was never really big on grabbing people's hands. Um, I'm kind of a hugger if I know you, but if I don't know you, I really don't want to touch you. And right. so I kind of hope we keep the fist bump. I like that. I also feel like the cl- the planes have never been cleaner. Oh, I agree with and, that. And uh, as a flight attendant and as a passenger, you know, you're like, can we have more than five minutes between each flight to clean this whole plane? So I think some of those procedures, I would really love to see stick around into the future. Uh, and you would never even believe how dirty the cockpits get oh, right. because they used to have like black rings around the knobs where we grab the knob and turn it oh, no. and nobody would clean it right? right well they didn't give us 
cleaning supplies right. per se. But now the cockpits are sparkly. <laughs> Everybody gets in and wipes down. And I'm like, we should always do that. Yeah, it just makes sense. Except when people wipe down the screens with Clorox wipes. And I'm like, you don't touch it. We don't touch those. <laughs> and also, it, now it looks like it looks like they blew their nose on their glasses. And I'm just like, Ugh. anyway. Mm. So a lot changed with me, too. In the last episode, I think I said that I got a different job to like live out the furlough. But then what ended up happening is the company that I work for, that we worked for, mm-hmm. passed like a, basically like a temporary authorization to bring their pilots back like to avoid furloughs. Right. And I had been working for a different company for like five, six weeks. I went back to my hotel. I called my company. I said, hey, can I come back? And they said yes. And I literally packed my bags, mm-hmm. went home, and I called the company that had hired me and I'd been in training for. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not coming back. Right. Because it was a dumpster fire. I had to like <laughs> light that match and just let it burn. Right, right, right. Like sometimes you don't want to burn a bridge. But in this case, honestly, I was like, this has just got to, this oh, got to be no, over. Oh, yeah. I got to pull that Band-Aid off, you know. <laughs> it was a terrible company to work for. So well, I feel better now because they never got back to me when I applied also. So I guess that's... Uh, oh, I learned something interesting about that. The One of the hiring managers specifically told me that they won't hire anybody that someone recommends unless they've been there for a year. So by right. recommending you, I actually screwed you. <laughs> well, that's okay, because I went back to my old job in New York. I have this beautiful apartment for a third of what the rent should be. Right. And uh, so I actually, I'm very grateful for So that. what do you do now, though? So I sell cars, and I work for a pretty great company, and uh, my manager is one of the best people in the whole world. I worked there for five years. And uh, I walked into the room and said, I need a life change. I'm moving to the other side of the United States from New York to California. I would like to leave this job. And it has absolutely 100% nothing to do with you or my experience here. Because right. that was true. Right. When I knew I was going to get furloughed, but didn't know that the timing, I called her back and said, do you want someone temporarily? And she was like, no, I'd love someone permanently. And uh, But here I am. So I am permanently temporary in her eyes here until hopefully I can go back flying 100%. Right. But until then, I'm just going to work it and uh, make it happen. I sell cars in a city designed not to own cars. However, everybody is either moving out of the city or no one wants to take public transportation. So currently, car sales are through the roof. So I'm pretty grateful for that. Well, that is good. I knew that you sold cars and I wrote this episode just for you. Yay! And, it, and, unla- and you know, I always say, oh, well, it runs like this. But like the last episode that didn't run like normal, this one doesn't run like normal either. <laughs> I love so, it. this one is just a little bit different. I'm, I'm honored. Are you ready to get started? Oh, yeah. I'm born All ready. right. So, we're going to start with the date. Mm-hmm. 1856. Cool. That's a long time ago. Okay. Almost as long as 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's felt like that, hasn't it? Okay. Jean-Marie Labrie was a French sailor and a seaman who observed the soaring flight of the albatross on trips around Cape Horn and Cape of Good Hope. He was fascinated to see the bird floating and wheeling without any apparent exertion. Its wings, as he said, apparently held rigid. Labrie killed one of the birds. He experimented with its wings. And by December of 1856, he had constructed a relatively lightweight glider based closely on the proportions and the configurations of the albatross. Hmm. He designated this, not surprisingly, the artificial albatross. It looks like a bird. His mechanical, right, it looks just like an albatross. So his mechanical 50-foot wingspan wooden and cloth albatross was outfitted with hand and foot levers to operate the glider. 
He mounted the flying machine on a horse-drawn cart and had the cart's driver head the horse down a road into the wind. I mean, you're launching a kite, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So the artificial albatross finally broke loose. One report says that the driver of the cart became ensnagged in the line, and he was lifted aloft with Labrie. (laughs) The original written report of this event proclaimed itself to be true and accurate, obviously, right? Because uh-huh. old old newspapers, they always got things right. <laughs> LOL. Uh, stated that Labrie and the glider rose to about 300 feet, and the cart driver was dangling below, and then, and then it glided about 600 feet, came to a controlled gentle landing. It only damaged one wing. The cart driver was unhurt, and Labrie was safe. But whatever the truth about the flight was, or whether there was an unwilling cart driver hanging from the rope or whatever... It seems entirely credible that Labrie did manage to glide his flight machine Cool. for a little while. But what we need to take from this, what was important about this culturally, is that this is when the dream of flying a land vehicle came into popular culture. Mm. Okay, It took a while to actually facilitate a real flying land and air vehicle, but in 1917... Just 15 years after the Wright brothers took off in their airplane in Kitty Hawk, mm-hmm. some pioneering men began chasing the dream of the flying car. I love that. I also love that I feel like flying cars just sound so futuristic when I was growing up. People are like, there's going to be flying cars in the world 2020 or 2025. And it's like, could you just wear a mask? Like, forget flying cars now. Could you <laughs> Could you just put a mask over your mouth right, and we your were nose? All gonna be, yeah. We were all going to be flying cars. <laughs> yeah. Blade and, Runner. Right, like, you exactly. know, all these things. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. It was going to be James Bond, you know, <laughs> flying cars and all of that stuff. And now, and now we're just struggling to wear masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... On a plane still, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to date, there are nearly 80 patents on file at the U.S. Patent Office for various kinds of flying cars. Some of these have actually flown. Most have not. But they do have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. All have come up short of reaching their goal of mass production. Right. We're talking about the flying car today. Mm. And we're going to talk about how culturally the flying car is, like, old. Right. And when when will it take off? Ha, ha, ha. Pun. Okay. So in 1916, Glenn Curtis... He owned, he established the Curtis Airplane and Curtis Motor Company. He was a pretty big player in the very beginning days. In 1917, he unveiled the first attempt at a flying car. It was aluminum and was called the Autoplane. Mm-hmm. It has three wings, a wingspan of about 40 feet or 12 meters. The car's motor drove a four-bladed propeller at the rear of the car, and it did not drive the wheels. The Autoplane never truly flew, but it did manage a, f- a few short hops. You want to go flying that, David? It looks very scary. Um, so if it didn't control the wheels, what did control the wheels? It, they just free rolled. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. So gotcha. it was like a fan, basically, on the back. Right, so right, when right. you wanted to drive down the road, right, it was just like a, it was being pushed by the fan. I could imagine pedestrians walking behind this thing, you know, or like just like being around other people. Yeah, that's not dangerous yeah. at all. No, I mean, parallel parking this thing would be fantastic. You know. Well, it doesn't have reverse, so you're going to have to push it into the space. <laughs> there you go. But also... You know, if you stand behind something that pushes itself forward with a propeller, mm-hmm. all the things on the ground fly at you. Right. So all the pebbles and all the trash and anything else that's on the ground is going to fly at you. So having maybe one of these on the road was bad enough, but imagine a lot of them. Yeah. And then imagine everyone flying them and also texting. You know, I just feel like <laughs> texting, and fly- <laughs> texting and flying. Well, in this case, they'd be texting and like barely flying. gliding They're yeah just hopping. gliding along yeah. right i'm not even really sure but he, but what's important about it is the vision of the flying car was truly born in a real material way right mm-hmm. so we moved from 
this flying horse cart to like an actual kind of flying car. The world has not been able to uh, remove this vision from popular culture since then, mm. but this is a vision that really should be removed. We're going to find out why. I'm going to teach you. Great. <laughs> I'm excited. First, let's go over the history of some the machines, the people that surround those machines, and look. let's look into some some cultural interpretations and references that are important to perpetuating the myth of the flying car. So basically we're going to look at it from a cultural and historical perspective. We're going to go over some models and we're going to talk about the flying car. Okay. So in the early 1920s and early 1930s, like there was a flying car madness. So in 1933, an American designer, a genius designer Mm -hmm. called R Buckminster Fuller was one of the crazies with flying car fever. He designed a vehicle called the Fuller, now, this is tough. Fuller Dimaxion, and it was intended to be a flying car. It looks like a submarine. There's no wings. Or a drivable plane. Yeah. Flying cars have always been ridiculous, and this is no exception. It was supposed to be powered by the newest of the new technology, which was jet engines. Okay, now, get this. Mm-hmm. Jet engines at the time were brand new. They were still in the concept phase being worked on in laboratories. Not, They were not available mm-hmm. to the public. They were unreliable, completely unproven, impossible to source and if you ever were able to source it it would use so much gas be so loud and be impossible to fix yeah that was his vision and and in addition to jet engines he wanted to use inflatable wings too oh that makes sense yeah a little compartment on the back yeah so he wanted to like i guess have blow up wings yeah i mean that makes sense compared to the previous one right which would be it's too wide you couldn't really yeah you can't really drive it on the road like yeah it it does a, a little bit make sense like that you would detach the wings or whatever well it never got off the ground ha, ha, right ha, ha. but fuller didn't give up on the diam on the dimaxion because of course he didn't it was like in the 30s and why would you give up on anything what it turned into is a three-wheeled zeppelin looking abortion of a car design oh it totally looks like a zeppelin i see that 100 percent. right so it's got two wheels up front yep. it tilts back onto its tail wheel like an airplane of the day mm-hmm. so the rear wheel steered steered the hmm. the first prototype had a wicked death wobble when you went fast because there's two wheels up front it's real long there's a little wheel in the back that kind of like oh man started yeah. wobbling so he made it heavier and he made it bigger and he made a second he made two more prototypes and then there was a fatal accident oh. and it never even made it as a car mm. but the original design was it was supposed to be a flying car and when you look this up tell me i'm wrong but it kind of looks like a green uh wienermobile you oh. know like just like what what is that? The like, Oscar Mayer. The Oscar Mayer. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You just all you had to do was set the hot dog on there. Yeah. And if I'm you totally need a job, I just recently found out that they're looking for drivers for those. Apparently, they're trying to bring it back for the Wienermobile. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I only read the head t- headline on Facebook. I didn't read the article. I want to drive the Wienermobile though. <laughs> that would be an awesome addition to my resume. Now, if you cut somebody off, is it considered a dick move? So sorry. Zing. No, I loved it. It was perfect. <laughs> corny, corny, corny. But the, the craze was on, right? So a guy named Waldo Waterman had been working on a uh, on a design for a while. He built what he called the Aerobile, and it's spelled weird, a like arrow, like a shooting arrow, B I L E. It was a hybrid Studebaker airplane, and like the Curtis airplane, the Curtis autoplane, the first one we looked at, it had a propeller attached to the rear of the car. The three-wheeled car was powered by a by a hundred horsepower Studebaker engine, and like the Curtis version, it just rolled. So mm-hmm. the the engine didn't push the wheels. So again, you're just kind of blowing yourself down the street. Well, it also just looks like an airplane. Right. 
It's not really a car. But this one is actually interesting. So you de- oh. you can detach the wings uh-huh. and then kind of drive it around. Yeah, I just feel like you, you can't drive it around where there people are. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? Like you're just, when you look at this online, it, but it's like a part of airplane without its wings. Yeah. A giant propeller in the background. And I'm just picturing like that scene from Indiana Jones, right? Where like they're just walking around the propeller, like that one, you know? Right, where the big Nazi dude from Indiana Jones just walks in the propeller and yeah, blood goes like he everywhere. He just didn't hear it. He didn't feel the wind, you know? But anyways, that's how they Right, that but, would be like, that, that would be, be your deaf different. neighbor. Yeah, exactly. Your deaf neighbor would oh, be like, yeah. oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, all gone. Sorry, 100%. guy. Sorry, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a leash uh, stuck in the propeller, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, no, no dogs, nothing. Like, no. Uh, I mean, you know, because when you drive down the road, sometimes you hit an animal, but that would be particularly No, it would be horrible. I will say one time I'm driving, I hit a, a bunch of pigeons. I just thought they were going to move, you know, like because they're pigeons. <laughs> right, right. And I 100% felt and heard it all under the car and just like feathers from behind me and me and my coworker, my coworker were driving. We just like screamed, you know, like, pigeons, you were supposed to move. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. Okay. So I'm guessing, again, parallel parking would be a nightmare because it doesn't have reverse. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, don't stand too close to the back. Right. Because that's a big swing in propeller. So when converted to a car, the wings... my Tinder profile. Okay, sorry. Um... (laughs) Swing in propeller. I love it. Okay, so when converted to a car, the wings detach for storage. Um, So I guess you just left them behind. So wherever you left the wings, I guess you had to go back and... I mean, people like think about a flying car like that you could just like take off and go fly and land and then like drive around, right? Right. But not this car. This is an ABA Correct. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to go A to B and then we're going to go right back then to we're A. we're going to have to drive back to A to get the wing. <laughs> right. Waterman was clearly crazy to actually fly this car, but he did fly it. Huh. Newsflash, falls can kill you. Oh, no. But nonetheless, the aerobile goes down as the first real flying car. Waterman spent another two decades perfecting the design if that's a word you want to use. Mm. Also, was that a pun that it goes down as the world's first? Sorry, I just found it. It actually didn't kill anyone. Oh. Waterman spent two decades perfecting the design, but there were very few customers who wished to fly this death machine. Mm. And Waterman's one working flying car prototype eventually wound up in the Smithsonian where it can't kill anyone. (laughs) And I'm very surprised that it didn't kill him, but I'm guessing he probably didn't fly it a lot and he probably had a guardian angel. Oh, yeah. Or he just had staff. He was like, you you go first. But yeah, 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 yeah. Who's the new hire? Tell yeah, me okay. how it is. You go tell me how it is. <laughs> that's why they don't uh, refer people. They don't take the referrals for less than a year at that company either. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why. Yep. For God's sakes, the fun does not stop here. All right. Let's I do mean, it. no, no, no. Not even close. So anyway, so in 1936, uh, the Ford Motor Company built an experimental single-seat airplane called the Sky Fliver. The project was abandoned two years later when uh, one of them crashed and killed the pilot. Mm. Although the Sky Fliver was not a flying car, it was culturally significant because it was a tiny seat single airplane. It got a lot of press attention and it excited the public because Ford wanted to mass produce an affordable airplane that people could fly around, right? So they wanted to like make flying accessible i suppose like affordable and right, you know accessible because of the he created the whole line you know right production right line. and he wanted right. to do that with airplanes too and he tried to produce hype around right. this like uh, this is your personal like flying machine it didn't really work ford pushed the notion of the airplane that the airplane was going to be commonplace in the future like the model t of the past mm-hmm. but this airplane canceled production and it, there wasn't much interest in it 
But in 1940, Henry Ford famously said, quote, Mark my word, a combination airplane and motor car is coming. You may smile, but it will come. I, Unquote. I feel like he was such a visionary, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably not not true. You know, I mean, you, but it's obviously it's 2021 and we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll look at some other ones. I, I think I'll have you convinced the other way by the, time oh, yeah? we, oh. by the time we get finished. I really do. I really do. So the takeaway from this passage is that it, it really is indicative of how we feel about flying cars even right now. Like, if you Google flying car, and I did, you'll find tons of articles that basically say, the flying car is almost here, or the <laughs> flying car has arrived, or right. we're going to be in flying cars by 2025. Like, But if you Google it in the in the context of 1945 you saw the same headlines right so all of them are full of shit (laughs) the idea of flying vehicles was like hugely prevalent throughout all the culture so it's in the you know we have like popular mechanics and we have um and we have comics which are really popular superman and and all that stuff is like coming about jetsons right Right. the jetsons came in 1962 it even seeped into the war effort and in 1940 the soviets designed a gliding tank. Huh. Yep. Called the Antonov A40 Krylatenka. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how to say that with a... <laughs> it just it just sounds German. Oh, I know. Um yeah. it, it was well Soviet. Soviet. So, sorry, Soviet. Excuse me. So I couldn't find much on the gliding tank, but I did find this. It did get airborne. Uh-huh. In, in 1942. It was being towed by another plane and it glided well, but the other airplane didn't have enough power to pull it to altitude but it's it's proportionally weight distributed so weird but it's hugely heavy right so this thing is hugely heavy i mean literally tons and tons and tons so you're trying to get another airplane to pull it into the air and then the concept was that they'll tow it and then fly the tank onto the battlefield and then detach the wings and you'll have a tank on the battlefield i'm not going to say it's a terrible idea but the problem is they didn't have other airplanes that were literally strong enough to tow this airplane right into the because this thing weighs tons and tons well, um, wasn't an elephant drop right when they were like dropping the elephants from the airplane didn't they don't they do that with tanks also where yes. they have like a big but that's yes. like way way in the future well they started that this. this time that's actually that's actually interesting that you say that because they did start that at this time that was their concept and huh. they they dropped them they did some crazy stuff. Like they learned to drop them into water, and if they drop them into water, then they could pull them out of the water oh. and then and then get them started. Right. But they also dropped them from parachutes, and they also did low altitude drops where they would like have a little tank that was attached to an airplane, and they would fly mm-hmm. real low, and then they would kind of just cut the tank loose, and if it was on in neutral, the tank would just kind of roll to a stop. Oh, that makes sense. But they found that dropping tanks had a logistical problem. The logistical problem was you don't drop the crew with the tank because. If something goes wrong, the crew dies. Right. And then the crew has to get to the tank. So you have to drop the tank and then the crew. Right. And the tank basically sits there on the battlefield waiting for the crew. So what if the opposing, you know, people come and get the tank? They kind of abandoned it. That makes sense. So that's why they kind of abandoned the idea. Do you want to go watch Elephant Drop now? I haven't thought about that movie in years. (laughs) So to to try to make this viable, Mm -hmm. they actually took the armor off the tank. They took out most of the fuel. They even took the headlights off. It still didn't work, but I'm going to ask you, is that even a tank anymore? You take all the armor off. Right. You take like, I don't even know. Well, if, I was always told if the lights are off, nobody's home, right? So I guess. I'm, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not a tank anymore. But. <laughs> it's a shell dropper, right? Right, right. 
But it, but it wasn't even over. Well, it could Not be like close. IKEA, right? IKEA would be like, "Here's your tank now, build it." So like they just oh, dropped it. Yeah, it's just like dropped just it in boxes, in and then you're like, "Okay, let's let's assemble it." I hope real they quick. have a phone so I can call support <laughs> and be like, "You know what? You need a carpet, your best friend, and two Allen wrenches." Right, exactly. Eleven yeah. A does not fit into eleven B. <laughs> like I'm tr- I'm trying my best here, but it's just not working out. It's ridiculous. Sorry. So in 1946, Robert Fulton, and he was a distant relative of the steam engine inventor, hmm. also went by the name of Robert Fulton. He developed what's called the airphibian. His idea was that instead of adapting a car for flying. He made a plane for the road. So you kind of already oh, mentioned like that. Mm-hmm. Like you already said, like it, it looked like an airplane that you kind of drove rather than a car that you flew. Right. So, I mean, it, it's a good observation. It was kind of a normal airplane where the passenger compartment kind of broke away. So, oh, cool, cool, cool. There was a pod under the wings, but honestly, it looked like a, a plane, not much like a car. I know, but the, the photo of it in traffic is so cool. It is kind of cool, but it really just looks like somebody took a chainsaw to like a like a single engine airplane that you would see at oh. the airport, you know, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. cut off the... Yeah. 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 But this one w- was a little bit better because he gave the Airphibian four wheels, um, which I think was a great idea because the three wheels designs, great. obviously we had some problems with those, right? The wings and tail section of the airplane could be removed for road travel, like you said, and the propeller could be stored inside the passenger compartment. So that means that the wheels weren't just free rolling that it would actually drive. Right, right, right. Right, the wheels pushed the airplane so you didn't have this free-spinning propeller in the background. You didn't, You so no Indiana Jones moments. Right. This one makes it look like it's got like a little convertible on the back of it. Like, it's a it, little, it's so cool. It is. It's very cool. So um, it took five minutes to convert the airplane into a car or the car into the airplane. Now, here's the shocker. Uh-huh. This was the first certified flying car certified by the FAA. I, I will say five minutes is kind of amazing, though. I agree. I mean, it takes longer than five minutes than it does just to take on and off a door to like the Jeep, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's like click, to take click, the tops off. The tops stuff. off. Yeah. I mean, the doors are pretty simple. My yeah. dad used to have one, but like the top is yeah. really complicated to do and way longer Com- than five completely minutes. Completely agree. So that it really didn't take very long. It was powered by a 150 horsepower six cylinder engine. It could fly about 120 miles an hour when it was in the air, but it, won't, but it would only drive on the road about at 50 miles an hour. So not, not that mm. great, you know. What what is the average speed of cars at that time? Like what, how what was the probably about honestly probably you, like you wouldn't go much more than fifty five because mm. the roads only some of the roads were going to be good. Right, a lot of the roads were just going to be like basically like back country roads. Right, most of them not paved. Fifty hmm. maybe. I mean, yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, now you're on the highway going fifty five and everybody else is going seventy five, eighty, especially yeah, in you Jersey. get run over. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. For sure. So this airplane was a physical success, but Fulton couldn't find a financial backer for the Airphibian. So although it was FAA certified, the first FAA certified flying car, mm-hmm. air, whatever, it fizzled. Now, this becomes a theme, and we're going to find out why. Yeah. By now, the flying car craze is in full swing, mm-hmm. right? In 1947, the Convair car was built. A guy named Ted Hall had studied the concept of the flying car before World War II. Um, while working for an aircraft uh, manufacturer called Consolidated. Consolidated built bombers for World War II. Mm -hmm. But he thought of the idea, and he thought it would be good, like commando raids. Mm -hmm. So some James Bond shit where you'd like go in and then you're already in the car and then you can like just drive it around or whatever. This does look like a James Bond car. It does. But Consolidated was like, dude, we build bombers. (laughs) So they were like, no, we're not doing that. So anyway, after the war, Ted and Tommy Thompson designed and developed... 
the Convair Model 116 flying car. It was featured in Popular Mechanics Magazine in 1946. It consisted of a two-seat car body powered by its own tiny engine that was just for the car. Mm -hmm. But the airplane part was detachable wings and tail fitted with their own engine and propeller. They flew it on July 12th, 1946. They made 66 successful test flights. You can see it's flying, right? It's amazing. It's kind of amazing. I mean, it just kind of like drives under and you just... Det- I, I feel like you'd need quite a lot of people to pick it up to put it on top of the car again, though. Like, how do you get it on and I off think the car? they use stands okay. to like kind oh, of push drove it the under stand. The stand. You drove it under the stand and then you kind of just like detached it. And then... But again, t- back to your point about A, about a to B, right? This is right. like an A to B to A. Yeah. And you're not doing it in five minutes. No. And that's definitely not five minutes. But it made 66 successful test flights. Hall subsequently designed a more sophisticated development of the flying car. He called it the 118. It had a more refined body, a more powerful flight engine. They set a target production, get this, of 160,000 units. That's a lot. That is so many. The projected price was (laughs) $1,500, and that was only $17,000 in today's money. So that's very aggressive. So pretty inexpensive, yeah. right? That's not a lot of cars are that much. No, no. Right. So it's like you could get this car plane, although it only sat two people, like you could potentially go fly around. Right. The Convair um, Model 118, they anticipated that it would, that it would be purchased in large numbers and planned production over, over 160,000 models. So the prototype 118 model flew for the first time in November of 1947, and it was on a one-hour demonstration flight. It made a low fuel forced landing, but let's call it what it is. It was a crash. Definitely. Mm. It crashed near San Diego, California, destroying the car body, damaging the wings. The pilot escaped with minor injuries, but here's what happened. He reportedly took off with basically no aviation fuel in the wings. When he went to check the fuel, he checked the car's fuel gauge and it said full, (laughs) but I guess there was another fuel gauge for the wings, right? Because they store the fuel for the wings up in the wings. Right. And he looked at the wrong fuel gauge. So basically, he took off with no gas in the airplane part, right? plenty of gas in the car. The crash was heavily publicized. Although they rebuilt the 118, the project was abandoned. Yeah, nobody bought it. Right. I, I mean, like, such a rookie move, though. Like, was that not on the checklist? Like, where's the checklist? What's starting to emerge is like a pattern of like right. some why flying cars don't work. Like, you have test pilots flying these things and crashing them. Right. And the whole purpose of a flying car is that anybody can get in it and have a flying car. Right. Uh, um, maybe yeah. not. I don't know. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> let's see. Let's see where. <laughs> let's see where it goes. During COVID, though, there was like a whole class of people that never actually physically drove a car and got the driver's licenses. Right. I oh, remember. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just uh, I'm starting to pick up on what you're putting down, which is uh, maybe the general public should not have access to a flying mobile. Yeah, because to start with. They really aren't cars. Right. They're planes. They're airplanes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So secondly, you know, the mechanical crap that we covered, that's a big thing, right? You have a test pilot. He's he's flying it. He's crashing it. And so we're supposed to assume that some schmuck can hop in it and go to work. Right. Also, I love your saying. You're like, he's flying it. He's crashing it. He's great. You know, like he's right. crushing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, flying it, crushing it, crashing <laughs> he's it. crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're starting to get a little clarity on this, but... We're far. It's uh, we haven't abandoned it. Okay. Uh-huh. So in 1949, inspired by the Airphibian, that one we just covered by Robert Fulton, a guy named Malton Taylor. Okay. So I have to take a second. So his name is Malton. Right. Which is I just. It's not the most unique name we've heard so far, though. 
No, but but Malton. I just don't quite understand what how they named kids. They just I I mean. Well, I mean, like now we have Blue Ivy and stuff, don't we? I mean, like. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, we have like tree and yeah apple and things like it, i think it's the first thing that the 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 person sees when they come out when the baby comes out <laughs> the dad looks over and goes oh i see a candle we're gonna name him molten or maybe he's reading <laughs> national geographic about lava or something right, I, right, right, right. I just i don't know anyway kids could be on fire so molten taylor he created perhaps the most well-known and most successful flying car to date now, notice he did it in 1949. Mm-hmm. It was FAA certified in 1954. It's called the Aero Car. It was designed to fly and then drive without interruption. Ooh, I'm going to go with folding wings. Like, whoa. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah. You tow the wings behind it like a trailer. Huh. So it wasn't an A to B to A car. No. So you could actually like fly A to B drive. and then continue on to yeah. C, right? Because you pulled the wings behind you but but let's do address that this is not something you take through the starbucks drive through <laughs> no it's very long i love that her drive cleaner is like with her he's like his her bellman in this photo right he's like right. i have your dry cleaning ma'am and your luggage for the trip now please get in your flying car and go yes. kill yourself <laughs> the aero car was built with fiberglass instead of metal so it was lighter mm. um it used only one engine so this was a big difference it used only one engine Previously, everything had used two engines, and it used a very long drive shaft to connect the car's the car's engine to the propeller. Huh. Right? It used the regular transmission to drive around while it wasn't flying. Cool. So it used the car's engine, and then you just put it in neutral to drive the propeller. Right. And then when you were driving around, you took it out of neutral, and you could just drive around regular. Theoretically, only one gas tank, so it's an improvement. Right. Uh-huh. Right. No, only less less things to mess up, and also also only one engine, so you're not like. You don't have to like worry about like oh I check this engine I right. check that engine right yeah a, a diff- different so it was like more like a regular car the aero car flew at about again 120 miles an hour which is about 190 uh, kilometers per hour and it was the second and last roadable aircraft to receive FAA certification roadable roadable yes that's not what a, they got yeah I love that yeah so in 1970. It's rumored that Ford considered marketing the Taylor Aero Car. Mm-hmm. Now, that's what the internet claims. And the internet claims that the oil crisis killed those plans. But I think there's a lot more reasons. Mm. And we've already covered some of them. Like, you needed to be a pilot to fly the car, right? You also needed to assemble and disassemble the car slash airplane. So you see her with her, standing there with her, um, you know, her, her, her um, yeah, I I'm, guess her valet or something, right? right? But Awesome mechanic. Yeah, so he's going to have to put the car together because those are really big wings. I'm not saying she couldn't. I'm just saying she's going to need help. Yeah, and she's in heels. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I'm, mm, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that by myself. And you also need to tow the wings around behind you all the time. Mm, Carrying a lot of baggage. Yeah, so it's some baggage. You got junk in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, I had a relationship like that once. <laughs> you had to tow the baggage around. It was so it was so much. That that describes my that describes my um, career with the airlines. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All, all these uh, senior mamas that walk around with like eight luggages. You're like, listen, right, right. Susan, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Nancy, you're going. You're gonna have to leave a couple bags at home. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Um. So, but there's but there's so many other issues, right? So airplanes need like regular maintenance. You also have special instruments that are sensitive to moisture and things like Mm -hmm. that. You also need special training if you're going to fly in the clouds. And you also need to like have consistent flying skills. Right. 
and you can't just go to you know your friend Susan's house and have a couple of uh, of martinis and then get back in your flying car and like fly home like yeah no no drinking and flying there's logistical issues let's say they're just let's just let's put it like that there's just logistical but in issues. this case too though i mean like what if you're flying by yourself what if you have a heart attack like what if you have some sort of medical condition right yeah but okay. yeah the, the to answer your question you die yeah. that's i mean there's not and really whoever's house you flew into dies right you know what I mean? right yeah so then for a long time there are a lot of artist renderings of flying cars that appeared in popular mechanics other publications and still appear um the movement was re-energized by the space age cars remember those cars like from the 50s 60s like the batmobile mm. they had like mm-hmm. a dome mm-hmm. they were like looked like a jet and let's not forget you already mentioned the jetsons um where the family car flew right and mm-hmm. that entered the scene in 1962 the flying car dream didn't stop, even though nobody made flying cars for a while after the Taylor. That car also folded up into a suitcase. Can we just talk about that? that That's like, true. That, yes. Yeah. That was like, I think if you get the wings to fold up into a suitcase and then pop in the back of the car, then there you go. But something interesting to talk about with the Jetsons is they never just went and drove like up and out. Right, right, right. They were always like on a road with other cars. So that's true. In a way, the car didn't really gain or lose altitude, right? Mm-hmm. So it just navigated like a regular car. Right. Because I remember the Jetsons being stuck in traffic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. If we but could, you would need that. Right. If we could get a car to do that, other than everybody just going every way they want to go. Right, right, right. If we could get a cars to do that, maybe there would be a flying car. But now we're just talking aer- aerial traffic jams. So kind of what's the point of flying? But People don't stay in their lane on the ground, let alone in the air. But yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, David, do you remember this car called the Ford Pinto? Maybe. Okay, well, let me let me brief you on it. Okay. The Ford Pinto is a subcompact car that was manufactured and marketed by Ford. It was sold from 1971 to 1980. Oh, yep. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Ford Pinto is a subcompact car that was manufactured and marketed by Ford. It was sold from uh, 1971 to 1980. It was the smallest Ford vehicle sold since 1907. The Pinto was the first subcompact car produced by Ford. And it was built as a response to the 1970s oil crisis to compete with uh, Japanese cars like Honda. Hmm. The Ford Pinto is best remembered for its luxurious ride and its many amenities. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I drive a Mini Cooper. I drive a Mini Cooper, and I was like, no, given this wheel span, right? Like, I hit a pothole, and I feel it my whole car, and I love it. But there's a few New York replaces potholes with smaller potholes, so you just sort of like apologize to your car when you go over one. No, this wheelbase is pretty short on this car. People really remember it because it was prone to explosion when it was rear ended. (laughs) It was missing about ten dollars worth of safety equipment that allowed the gas tank to be pushed into the rear axle and punctured in a in an accident from behind. Uh About three hundred people died. It was a huge scandal for Ford. There was a big ass lawsuit. Big ass. Big ass lawsuit. Yeah. 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 So are you wondering why I'm telling you this? Oh no! Did they make it into a plane? Okay, because in 1971, the AVE Miser was built. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That one's a little harder to rear end. Okay, so the AVE Miser was the physical manifestation of a nightmare idea (laughs) of taking a Ford Pinto, (laughs) which we said was its very own nightmare, and taking a Cessna Skymaster. Yeah, if it works on the ground, it works in the air. And then you smush them together. Yeah. And then you make a hideous monster and you call it a flying car. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so how do you do that? (laughs) It just hurts. It hurts to look at it. Okay. So how do you do that? So so real quick, let's cover the Skymaster real quick. Mm-hmm. The Skymaster was a twin engine inline thrust airplane. That means it had its front engine in the back, 
or in the front, and then it had its back engine in the back, but they were along the same line instead of being under each wing. Okay. It was designed and used in Vietnam for reconnaissance flights because it was easy. It was reliable. If it lost one engine, you, you would still you get the, the other one. pilot home or you get the crew home and the pilots home um, with the other one. It had a twin boom tail to reduce its vertical presence, basically. So you push it into a lower hangar. It was designed for Vietnam as mm. a reconnaissance airplane. Some people called it the Mixmaster, the Sky Mixer, or the Push Me Pull You. <laughs> um, just some jokey industry names, right? But it's a real airplane and it had a good safety record. Yeah, Push Me Pull You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, data was on once. <laughs> but the AVI Miser or the AVE Miser took the passenger space and the front engine of the Skymaster and cut it away. And it left the airframe that they said, quote, was ready to be attached to a small car. AVE planned to have its own airframe purpose built for the production model rather than depending on cutting up Cessna, real Cessna airplanes. Mm-hmm. So initially, they cut up a Cessna airplane to make the AVE Miser. They had intended for the AVE Miser to like source its like to source their own products. Okay. Mm. So the Miser was intended to use both the aircraft engine and the car engine for takeoff. The concept was it would short shorten the con- the roll, the the like takeoff roll. Right. Um because you would be able to like accelerate in the car at the same time you accelerated in the airplane. But I do want to note that that I looked up uh, 0 to 60 specs in a Pinto and it was like 18 seconds. <laughs> so it took a really long time anyway you just had a really long runway yeah you really did yeah so once in the air you could turn off the car engine and upon landing use the four-wheel braking to stop the car okay so on the ground the concept was they would they had these telescoping wing supports that would kind of fold out and then you didn't have to lift the wing so like you would fold out the wing support on both sides and then mm-hmm. you could detach the car and drive the car away Mm-hmm. And then you could come back and bolt the wings back up hmm. real quickly by just kind of driving underneath it and then letting the wing supports down. Then you would have the the wings back on top of it. Right. But again, we have an A to B to A mm-hmm. situation again, right? Because we're not like kind of folding them up and we're not taking them with us. We're kind of like leaving them at an airport. Right. It's worth noting that even though the Pinto was a light car, the total aircraft without passengers so they built this aircraft they called it the AVE miser the total aircraft without passengers or fuel was already over the maximum certified weight of the skymaster <laughs> so too heavy for the wings yeah she heavy yes yeah, she's heavy bitch production was scheduled to begin in 1974 but let's talk about the construction of, of this flying car in particular mm-hmm. the car was having trouble with the security of its wing struts so the angled struts that come down from the wing okay gotcha. They were purportedly riveted to the door panel and the sheet metal, the rear sheet metal of the Pinto. So not attached structurally to anything, just the metal on the outside of the car. Mm. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I think it needs, it's, there's a problem. <laughs> a little gust of wind. Yeah. Like, metal goes flying. Right. Yeah. Maybe like a little bump in the air. Yeah. You know, a little turbulence and okay. Um. By the way, the attachment point, that's just on the sheet metal that mm-hmm. holds the wings on the car. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's not crucial. No, it's, no. it's totally safe. Totally good. So on a test flight from Camarillo um, airport in California on August 26, 1973, according to the test pilot, the right wing strut attachment failed mm-hmm. soon after takeoff. And because turning the aircraft would put too much stress on the unsupported wing, the test pilot put the aircraft down in a bean field. And then he later drove the airplane home 
the car home on the public roads with the wings on top. Oh. So he drove it home, right? But this was on um, August 26th of 1973. Then on September 11th of 1973, so that's like two weeks later, the miser was supposed to go on a test flight, but the test pilot was not available for the flight. So the monster's creator, who was the president of AVE and the VP of AVE as well, the vice Mm -hmm. president, they together decided to go test fly the airplane. Because apparently they'd fixed the wing attachment point. Right. Also, right. why was it? I was like, oh, double booked. Got a haircut that day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh-huh. the test pilot. I... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go home sick. sick today. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to come to the airport. So they decided to go fly it. So let's just talk about that for a second. So you took the president of the company. Mm, and the VP. And you put him in the same airplane mm-hmm. to test fly it. I just... They believed in their product. I I feel that that's admirable. There's a lot of companies that I don't feel, you know, like the head of McDonald's probably doesn't eat at McDonald's. So I feel like, you know, they believed in what they were doing. Okay. Uh, that's that's a counter argument. That's uh, yeah. fair enough. Uh, not wise, but, but right. you know. But, but they... But dedicated. Yeah. Dedicated. Okay. The flying Pinto took off. During the climb, the right wing strut detached from the Pinto. <laughs> Just like before. Just like before. And an, air tra- uh, and an air traffic controller watching through binoculars said the right wing f- folded. According to the test pilot, the wing folded because the pilot tried to turn the aircraft when the w- after the wing strut supported. Right. But it's kind of like the same failure they'd already had. So right. it, I don't care if they tried to turn it or didn't try to turn it. They had exactly the same failure again. Yeah. So Smolinski, he was the president and the vice president, Harold Blake. They are both killed. Fiery crash. So the wing folded, followed by the company. Right. And also, yeah. it burned up in Aww. true Pinto fashion. Oh. <laughs> There's a lot of morbid jokes. These are like family members of people. But yeah. <laughs> and the AVE miser was killed with them. Aww. So, unfortunately, that was the end of the AVE. I don't, I said, unfortunately. I didn't want them to die. No. I wanted the AVE miser to no, die. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah, yeah. it was built. <laughs> I mean, it really is, it's hideous. Okay. But anyway, the NTSB. The NTSB reported that, quote, in addition to the poor design and loose parts, bad welds were par- partly responsible for the crash, with the right wing strut attachment failing at the body panel of the Pinto, unquote. Mm-hmm. A body panel. Yeah, no, those are... Hmm. I just feel like... You know, you, you ever see the guys that de- do dent removal, and oh, they yeah. just come in and they just put like a suction cup on there and they go like, pop yeah. and pop uh, it out? Oddly enough, a lot of times it's hot glue gun sticks. Right, so, mm-hmm. so the same thing's gonna happen, right? With welding, it just does. Like you just, it's like honestly, like shop one hundred and one, right? It's like you can't attach something like with glue, no. Because that's basically kind of just welding. welded it on there a little bit. But and that it, car was not designed to have structural. Like you need it to be attached to part to like of the, the main frame. frame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like the cage part that kept everybody safe or something, right. not the just the exterior metal of the car. No, and nowadays, I mean, cars are designed where they get hit, those exterior pieces go flying. You know what I mean? So right, like, right, right. There's exactly. your flying car. Okay, so <laughs> you, <laughs> you need more structural connection. The AVE Miser really rang the death knell of the flying car. That was the last sort of real attempt at a mass market flying car. So... Let's talk about now. Mm-hmm. All right. A guy named Paul Mahler, he spent 40 years 
and millions of his dollars of his own developing what's called the Sky Car. And in 1965, he demonstrated his first attempt of the XM2, which hovered off the ground but didn't go anywhere. So are, are these um, miniature fans? Yes. It basically looks like a drone. Um, like uh, a, like drone. a drone. Yeah. yeah, like a little flying saucer, like a drone or a hovercraft. Right, but, right, right. Yeah, so it hovered off the, off the ground, but it didn't go anywhere. In 1989, Mueller unveiled the M200X, which flew 200 flights, as 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 high as fifty feet, so flying car. Mm-hmm. Eh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I, I mean, I, I would imagine that a flying car would not fly that high if we had a flying car, right? It would. But I don't. I'm just. I don't know. I don't, my vision of the flying car is just destroyed because I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what a flying car is supposed you're to like, do there's anymore. There's certain things that I have faith in. There's things that I have like, you know. Right. And then you're like, I have no faith in this from the very beginning. This is not going to work. Right. And then I had realistic expectations that somebody would be able to come up with some kind of working like concept, like conceptually, what are we supposed to, supposed to be doing with a flying car? And throughout all my research, I couldn't even right. find like conceptually what the goal was. Right, right, right. And maybe that's why it's not worked. But how does this improve your life? That's the question, right? So this is going to improve my life because... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, finish the sentence, right? So, like, yeah. leaving a plane and getting into a car is not a good idea because dot, dot, dot. Right? right. Like, having right. a car that does both fixes the problem of dot, right. dot, dot. Like, these are questions you need to ask yourself. I suppose, like, a, a road trip or something. Like, if you if I wanted to go from here to Pittsburgh or from here to Syracuse or something, instead of driving on the road for two hours, it would be an hour to fly. Right. But the logistics of where do I take the, how do I get into the air? Mm-hmm. How do I get into the air? How do I do it safely? How do I get it from here to point B? Mm-hmm. Do I follow a route? Do I go like all, I just, I suppose that's kind of the goal of the flying car is to like go direct to wherever you're trying to right, go. Right. But I can't really, but I don't think anybody ever really like writes it in a clear way or really has a concept like a conceptually like how can we realistically use this and i understand if you were going to use it like in texas mm-hmm. you know where there's tons of open roads right but in any urban area just well that's what I'm, that's what i'm saying too because a lot of these require other than the five minute one right? right but they all require a decent amount of time of assembling and deassembling it right deassembling um whatever sure and so <laughs> English. Uh, so, but you'd have to assemble it and then you'd have to take it apart. And then you need an airport for that. That's what I mean. Like, how yeah. is this going to improve your life? Right. Although when I picture it, I just picture the Jetsons and then it goes That's what I think too, is you just done. get out in front of your house and you Boop. just kind of levitate in the air and just shoo, yeah, yeah, shoot yeah. off, right? But we haven't been able to achieve that. So there's this guy, Paul Mahler, and he makes the M200X. That's that's something different. Um, it flies 200 flights as high as 50 feet. So kind of a flying car. Except in 2003, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission sues Mueller for civil fraud in in connection with the value of shares after an initial public offering of stock and for making unsubstantiated claims about the performance of a sky car. Uh, Mueller settles his lawsuit, never admits guilt, and he has a permanent injunction against marketing his car, Mm. and he pays a $50,000 fine. In 2007, Mueller again announces a successor to the Mueller sky car, and he said it would be mass marketed in the United States in early 2008. His then proposed model was all electric. Mm. And then, 
you know, a newspaper called him out in 2009, questioned his credibility and called the Skycar a failure and described Mueller as Mueller's company is no longer believable to investors. And Mueller later filed for bankruptcy. And now this dude's in his 80s. Mm. It's a different Mueller investigation. I got I got confused. Sorry. Right, right. But yeah. David. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sorry. Here's what I want to know, buddy. Yeah. It's 2021. Yeah. Where's my fucking flying car? Yeah. We've been talking about this since what? What did I say? 1857 or something? Right? Dude. Where's my flying car? I think I think we're not there yet. I think, and I have faith in humanity, at least I did prior to this pandemic, but I, I have faith in humanity that maybe, maybe, okay, here's my idea, right? Tesla has self-driving cars. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to get to self-driving cars. Eventually, we can get to that. I think if you can combine self-driving cars with cars that have liftoff, then I would be more secure in the concept. We'll talk about that. Okay, okay. Okay, I, I agree, Um, but we'll address that too. Okay. So there's a company called Macro Industries in Huntsville, Alabama. They were developing a, a flying car, and they were going to call it the Sky Raider X2R. And uh, this flying car was supposed to take off and land vertically. The Sky Raider incorporates the interior design of a, two, of a two-seat sports car with the mobility of a helicopter or an airplane. The company said it was also developing a five- and a seven-seat model, and it should fit in most two-car garages. The navigation system will be controlled almost entirely by GPS and satellites and cell service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while still in the prototype phase, the Sky Raider was estimated to cost between 500000 to a $1 million. Easily accessible by the mass public. Exactly. Although the price was expected to drop, get this, to $50,000 when it reached mass market. That doesn't seem realistic. No. Okay. So Macro Industries planned but failed to have an operational prototype by 2005. In 2010, Macro Industries pivoted and then they proposed a military version of the skyrider program we haven't heard from macro industries since 2017 maybe because they have it conspiracy theories are out there you know maybe it exists we just don't know i think more likely the government paid the money and they ran oh yeah 100 percent. yeah <laughs> okay so let's let's continue on in israel dr rafi yoli of urban aeronautics is testing the city hawk a prototype of a fly-by-wire car. He's also working on a project centered around the X-Hawk. There is a website. They have never built or flown this idea. Wait, I'm, I'm so gonna, that's that one. I'm going to be dumb for a second. What is a fly-by-wire? Is that a term or is that an actual thing? Um, so fly-by-wire means that you don't actually physically control the controls. It means okay. that you do it. Okay, okay. And that's just called the fly-by-wire fly, fly, fly is a joystick it's versus just a, an actual... No, it, the 787 is fly-by-wire. Uh-huh. Okay. It sends a signal. And tells the ailerons that control surfaces what to do. Cool. But there's no actual like physical like rods or, right, 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 right. or cables or anything mm. moving. It's just servos. Cool. Cars, including most cars, use drive-by wire. And not for the steering, mm-hmm. but for the gas. So when you push the gas pedal, it doesn't actually connect to anything. Right. It, it moves a little uh, transducer that just tells a little motor up in the engine to open the throttle. Right, 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 right. So it's kind of the I see. same concept, yeah. Cool, thanks. Okay. Um, I sell them, I don't fix them, so I guess it's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brock Osar, he's a, he was a senior engineer at McDonnell Douglas Aerospace. He attempted to develop a flying car called the Sokol A400, or Advanced Flying Automobile. SAR designed a four-passenger vehicle that had pop-out telescoping, telescoping wings at the push of a button. Does mm-hmm. anything look familiar there? Yeah. I mean, it looks like the original. It it looks like if you had to get the original car right mm-hmm. that we looked at, the very first one, mm-hmm. and like just make it modernized. One hundred percent. It's what you basically have. the same design. It looks exactly the same. 
All of these things look exactly the same, pretty mm. much. Never flew. There is one flying car manufacturer currently currently still trying, hmm. and they have a real airplane, real car. So there is one. Oh. So this one is real. It's currently marketed as an experimental light sport aircraft, and and really, it's the only one. Okay, it's called Terrafugia. It's currently working on a personal air vehicle known as the Transition. That pretty much looks like a tiny SUV with yeah. retractable wings that seats just two people. It's a real airplane. The manufacturer is based in New Hampshire. The transition will fly about 500 miles. Um, once there, the wings can fold in and the trans- transition gets uh, decent gas mileage on the road, about 30 miles a gallon. In flight, the transition will fly about 120 miles an hour and gets about 30 miles a gallon, about the same mileage around town. Although a full-size prototype was planned, for now, the designers are working on a, a scaled-down model. It's in the wind tunnel. They haven't um, released it yet. This is all they have. But it is a real sort of flying car. This right. is the only one, though. And it, it looks like previous designs. Like it, it looks just like it. It looks just like it. Which means the other people were ahead of their time, or these guys were like, well, let's look at old photos. Oh, we can make that. We can uh, have these wings fold on their own. This is good. Right. Or Or it kind of leads you to believe that things designs of things are sort of self-evident like if you Mm. had so in a bubble you know everybody's car design would look the same if you said to if you didn't have a concept you just had a car and you said make this fly right it's like every little kid without seeing it would all come up with the same design right 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 right. i mean basically the flying pinto because i really feel like that's kind of the apex of what we've talked about right yeah 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 what was that thing called the AVE miser? I feel like that that's just the embodiment of a flying car, which was what we have here with the Terra Fugia. So <laughs> not an easy name to do. No, and Terra why did they do that? Terra Fugia. Yeah. They haven't crashed one. Nobody's been killed. There you go. Yet. But I'm going to predict how this one ends, okay? Are you ready for my prediction? Yes. Nobody wants it. Nobody can afford it, and it fizzles out. Yeah. There's going to be miles. a couple people that want it. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be affordable. Now, make it electric. Give me a tax write-off on it, and maybe more people will want it. But even electric vehicles are a hard sell for people right now, too. They are, yeah. Yeah. People don't make enough money to spend. This is probably 250000 I didn't look it up, but it's it, it's got to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a $30,000 flying car. No, it's but it's not going to be. But also, I mean, one thing we've not even tackled is the regulations that you're going to have to go through to get the license and the fees to go along with that, right? So it's not just the plane that's going to cost money. It's also your license, training right. it, your FAA card. Right. You're going to need, I mean, if you need a driver's license and a pilot's license, which costs money. Right. And you're going to need to, like, have the ability to fly around other aircrafts. Right. Right. So that's a thing. And also, now it's going to be regulated. The car also has to meet road safety standards and it's going to have to meet air standards and so you're going to need you know not an oil change every three months like an oil change every 20 hours (laughs) yeah exactly right so let's talk turkey i mean i'll go first and i made some notes and then let's just talk about these things so Mm -hmm. we we already said it's too it's going to be too damn expensive i mean the reality is you you if you can't build an electric car for under 50 grand how are you going to build a flying car that people can afford? So the majority of people can't afford it. Drones. I think like the future of flying cars would be some sort of a drone. Some sort of a drone. And they would have to have a mind, what do you call it, like a group mind. Right. So each drone would talk to 
each other one. Which is not that far off. Cars no. do that now. I agree with that, and so do airplanes. And so what if you had a drone that just hovered off of the ground? I'm thinking sort of like Luke Skywalker's... Um, yeah, the, you know. yeah, I know, on the moon of Endor, right? Yeah, so I don't like know that, that name. Kind of... But what if it just... What if it, instead of having wheels to try and make it look like a car, what if you just had a drone that hovered above the ground at a certain height? And then you could fly it. You could fly it, and there's nothing to assemble. Right. I'm not saying it's not realistic. I'm simply saying... It's nowhere near happening. No. That's all I'm saying. Okay. L- but let's address, you have to be a certified pilot. So mm-hmm. people can't even drive their cars properly. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I don't know if you know this. Did you ever see the video, the YouTube video of the girl trying to put gas in her Tesla? I've seen people drive around because their tank is on the right-hand side. But then they just, just gonna say, drive around in circles. And, they're and they wonder and they the get around side. to the other side and they yeah. get out and they look and then they drive yeah. exactly the same way around the pump and they get out and they look again and they yep. wonder why. These are the that. people that you would be flying next to. I, I don't want to go back to masks. But like you'd be like, step one, how do you put on a mask? Nope, you can't have a driver's license. You right. Know what I mean? yeah. right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and these are the people that we would want to mass market cars to i just can't yeah that's scary yeah no so that leads us to probably my main point things are going to break people are going to have to then take over because this is what we do as pilots right yeah so we so you know the airplane flies on autopilot most of the time but sometimes things go wrong and then we take over and we have to fly the airplane it's called manual reversion right so something fails something breaks Mm -hmm. some problem happens you hit a bird yeah. You got to land in the Hudson. Right. Which would happen potentially with a drone car, right? So yeah. you're flying along, another car clips it, a bird hits it, um, there's ice, something out of the ordinary happens. Yeah. And now you have to take over and you have to fly this drone to safety. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> Just dead. Like, he's killing it. Not <laughs> totally killing it. <laughs> not everybody's going to die, but everybody's going to have to be a pilot. Even some pilots are going to die. Yeah. Because these things are going to be moving along. They're going to be hustling. They're going to be, I mean, they're just We've so... not taken anything into consideration with weather. We've not taken anything right. into consideration with a lot of things. Obstacles like, what about power lines? What about right. cell phone towers? What about just things that you can hit, like trees? <laughs> this was... <laughs> Okay, so I, I have a great idea. Okay, it's a children's book about flying cars, and it's called All the Places You Can Hit. You know, like, just like all the things you can hit. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, that is... <laughs> Cheese and, and plates, yeah. So uh, let me tell you a quick story. So I had a buddy who was who was a helicopter medevac pilot, mm. and he worked privately, and he flew a type of helicopter called a jet ranger that only has one engine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a jet engine. It's you would recognize a jet ranger. It's like the it's like the quintessential helicopter, right? Okay. And he's landing in a trauma center parking lot to pick up a patient, and he said, "I was about ten feet over the ground, and I just saw a flash oh, just yeah. come up." and go by my head, and then the engine flamed out. Huh. Turns out it was a plastic bag. Oh. The rotor... It, like, sucked it up. Sucked it up, went right into the engine. Oh, And man. the engine was like, I'm out. Yep. So then he does his best, and he lands the helicopter, and nobody gets hurt, but the skids are destroyed, and the helicopter has to go for major repair. Right, right, right. right. But this is what I'm talking about. You could literally, like, die because of trash bag. Yeah, and we have a lot of those. right. And let me just make the argument that trains still have operators. I was just on the subway coming over Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the L train. The person sits there but doesn't do anything. Right. 
but the person sits there. Yeah. And they're there in case the brakes fail or whatever. And then they push the button to turn it. Yeah. Trains are 300 years old. Yeah. And they still have a person that sits there. And mm. they can't even go off the tracks. Not to mention <laughs> left, right, up, down. Like they right, can't right. even. They go this way and that way. Yeah. And we still need a person to monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even self-driving cars aren't really a thing right now. No. They only kind of drive although there was a video clip of these like the husband and wife driving it and they were both asleep and they're like and they were like Ooh. hardcore like public transit open mouth sleeping you know what i mean oh like my God. like in the car yeah scary so uber just had a large research investment i don't know if you know this aimed at self-driving taxis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they had it they eventually pulled the investment they shut down the project because they deemed it wasn't viable i don't think the public trust is in there either also there's just so many variables yeah. And now we're talking about flying cars. And I just don't think it's realistic. So let let's let's finish. I'm I'm getting close to the end here, David. And I know you're like I'm tired You no, you've left out it. one major car. Which is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Okay, sorry, it's powered by song. Oh, that's true. It, <laughs> it, that's right, it's powered by song. This is the only car that is that I'm gonna trust as a flying car. Yes. Chitty, I agree. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Agreed. Okay, great. <clears throat> All right. So yeah, we, we can come we can also, come to it's a conclusion. A boat. So it's like three things. That's true. And it was, That's right. And it's a boat. It's a boat. Now you've given me an idea. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to spend 40 years and millions of dollars developing <laughs> a boat flying car. So according to an NBC, art, an NBC article from June 9th, 2014, note the date, Elon Musk, uh-huh. founder of Tesla, uh-huh. Mars enthusiast, mm. generally insane person, has apparently given a lot of thought to building a flying car, and he's concluded that it's totally possible. So listen to the quote. Quote, we could definitely make a flying car, but that's not the hard part, unquote. That's true, though. So what's the fucking hard part, Elon? Getting it into space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Launching it to Mars. Yeah. The hard part is that he has to market it. He has to get people to believe it. It has to, it has to do everything on its own. I'm calling bullshit on the whole statement. He says, oh, it's, that's not the hard part. That's the hard part. Right, right, right. It's going to break, and people are going to die. And as we saw from the story, one flying Tesla car, mm-hmm. plane car, whatever, crashes. Everybody goes, nope. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. One. I mean, the 737 Maxes. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like, right. We had two crashes. That thing's grounded for two years. Yeah. And, that and was, it still doesn't have public. Um, and still no. Right. And still no faith. They're going to change the name. Right. So Are they still going to do that? I yeah, heard. they're still okay. going to change the name. It's going to be a 6S, uh, then a 7, 7S, and then we're going to skip to 10. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I just, I'm not buying his crap about flying cars. Like, Elon Musk is a fucking clueless space cadet, in my opinion. Okay, he invested in Tesla, and it's done great. But now he the says he's man in the world. Well, yeah, but he also says he wants to go to Mars by 2025. He says a lot of dumb stuff like, oh, I don't own anything, so I can go to Mars. Yeah. I don't know. He just, he... I watch don't know. Him, watch him do it. I'm not buying his crap. Okay. <laughs> I'm not buying what he has to sell. Okay. So I'll give him a little credit, though. At least he never taped the wings of a Boeing to a Model 3. Oh, yeah. So he never he never tried that. He never tried the the AVE um, miser route. Although, quite honestly, um, his doors open up like wings. So if you could just open them and then flap and them. And then, like, flap them. Or, yeah. or maybe they could open and then open again. And then extend. <laughs> Okay, Elon Musk, call us. We're here. We're your design team. Exactly. Totally, totally ready. But in my opinion, he can join Henry Ford in the annals of history and the rest of those fools claiming that flying cars are going to be a thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. So here's my prediction. Okay. As electric cars get cheaper and get more range, 
as we start to move toward green energy, we move away from fossil fuels, as more countries embrace mass transit, as airlines become safer and cheaper and more comfortable, 787 is a great example because the 787 is more comfortable than yeah. any of the other previous. Yeah. They get quieter. They get more efficient. They get... Even um, the smallest things like having more humidity in the air, therefore you're less dehydrated in the plane right. because of how it's made. Yeah. Every time we make an advancement like that, we get further and further away from flying cars, not closer. This is my argument. All the reasons that we've always wanted flying cars start to fade away mm. as we see more efficient transportation, mm -hmm. as we see more efficient roads, as we see more efficient cars that drive themselves. Right. Right. Well, and you also have a smaller footprint because it's the point of having a flying car also to maybe have like less cars on the road, more things in the air. But if you had more public transportation things, then you don't need to have individuals flying places. Right. It takes out that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It does. It does. And we're doing a really good job at making things more efficient. We've got faster trains now. We've got um, airplanes that are faster and, and more efficient. And we're, like I said, we're getting we're dialing back on the fossil fuels mm -hmm. and we're going to try to add a flying car that then burns more fossil fuel. I just don't, yeah, I don't here's the thing. I just think that as our society moves forward, we get farther away, not closer. And I think people have always thought, Oh, well, we're going to have flying cars by 20, you know, 100. I think that we're going to have more trains, more mass transit, even maybe the Elon Musk's like tube idea. Right. Oh yeah. Because this is something that, goes from place to place really fast. You get there, you know. You're safe. You're safe. You didn't have to do it yourself. You didn't have to spend $500,000 or a million dollars buying this thing. You didn't have to risk your life to do it. Right. But you got there fast. Yeah. I think this is really the way our society is going. I mean, not the opposite way. And I know that we were like rugged individualists and that's where cars <laughs> came from. And, you know, oh, well, everybody gets to go out for the weekend and do their own thing and all this stuff. I, I, I'm starting to agree with you. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, you're smelling what I'm stepping in. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to leave you with this. In the sage words of Regina George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, that, that was not where I thought we were headed with this one. All right, love it. Stop trying to make the flying car happen. Yes. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm. So anyway, what do you think of the flying car? Uh, okay, so... I mean, you know, what I think it is too. Is it? It is sort of like a childish ambition. And I'm gonna go back to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for a second there because, but like, that's like what you think of. It's like the coolest thing ever, right? But, but is it feasible? Is it plausible? Does it make sense? Right. I think flying cars. Like I said, I think flying cars sort of get further away from us, not closer. Just the self-driving car is gonna push self is gonna push flying cars away yeah I think because so when you can drive out of your neighborhood right mm -hmm. you get on the highway and you press your autopilot button Boop. and then and then you can sit there and kind of monitor it or whatever or just fall asleep like you said right and then you wake up and all you have to do is pull into your grandma's driveway because you just drove for four hours right and you didn't even spend gas money because it was electric right 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 and so then it makes that that investment of a flying car and that danger and all of that stuff surrounding it not only does it not make it worth it for you it doesn't make it worth it for a business right businesses go eh, that's not really viable plus i mean you could also work you know i'm like if right. you you could theoretically be we're working from home now so right. why not that it's a whole new meaning to working on the road right but you could theoretically do your job and do yeah. other things right while you drive Right. Or while you're transported. Right. right. So I, anyway, I don't mean to I don't mean to belabor the point, but <laughs> I think we get farther away, not closer. And so 
I would just say to aspiring engineers, you know, and kids who are like, oh, I'm going to design a flying car. I would just say, look at history, mm-hmm. see what history's given us. Because interestingly, like we said, all of history has given us sort of the same design. And even yeah. the very most recent one literally looks like the first one. 100%. And so just look where that has gone and then just concentrate your efforts on something else. Right. Because I really believe it's a waste of time. I, I think you can quote me on it. I would, I'd, I'd feel safe at saying the, the flying car is not going to be a thing. No. So, it's cool, yeah. though. It is People a cool, like cool, cool to things. think about it. Yeah. yeah. This is very Buck Rogers. <laughs> you know, but this is Batman, Buck Rogers, but I think we just got to get over it. Yeah, we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for being on, David. Thank you. This has been amazing. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for um, curating a second podcast all around me. That's amazing. There you go. And um, maybe we'll we'll do it again and I'll figure out some other interesting topic. Oh, I'm sure we'll figure something out.